Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. In this series, we celebrate the way in which God Christmased us 2,000 years ago with Jesus. This series is all about the love of God and our call to spread that love. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You got Christmased. I got Christmased. Now let's spread the love of Christmas to others. Now here's Dr. Kelly with today's message. How you guys doing? Doing good? Man, it is good to be here. That was an incredible first worship set. Amen? Love the team, and I'm trusting it was the same at all of the campuses. Merry Christmas. I want to give a warm Merry Christmas to all of you here at Central Campus. To those of you at the other campuses, I think about my peeps in Garner, North Carolina. Merry Christmas. Sanford, North Carolina Correctional Institute, North Raleigh Campus. By the way, North Raleigh Campus, love on your campus, Pastor. Love on him. Pastor Mitch lost his beloved grandma this week, and just the guy just loved her dearly. want to welcome Columbia Coffee House, Nairobi Internet Campus, and of course, those of you here at Central. One more time, Merry Christmas. Doesn't it feel good to say Merry Christmas? It's so good. I love this time of year. By the way, by the way, real quickly, hey, if you have not gone by the Resource Center to pick up this Christmas devotional, you are missing out. I am doing it daily. I'm telling you, this is an incredible resource for you. It goes all the way through February. So it's December, January, and February. There's a little note in here from me to you. Don't miss that. It will help you grow and get into the season. And uh, lastly, um, go and pick up a Christmas card picture from my family and I. It's outside in all the lobbies, all the rotundas. Uh, It's at all the campuses. Go pick it out. I'm not a big Christmas card kind of guy. What I mean by that is I don't get excited every year about having to go take the Christmas pictures. And uh, it's normally, I try to get behind my wife and support her in this, but usually the kids are like weeping and gnashing their teeth, you know, every year when it's Christmas card time. But uh, there was a great new hoper who, uh, who asked, hey, we want to we give you something for Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm a photographer. Can we give you a, a, a photo shoot? And so we went and did this in downtown Durham, and it was actually a very fun experience. And I believe it's the best our family has ever looked. They make me look far better. I am so much better when I'm with them, and they look great in the pictures and really, really encourage you to go get that. It's just from our heart to yours. We've been doing it for 12 years now. Every Christmas, we like to give a a Christmas card picture. And I want to thank my lovely wife, Amy Lynn. Hey, it's Christmas. Give it up for the First Lady. What do you say? I want to thank my wife who, who, you know, hey, she, she makes it happen every single year. And it is not a small feat. And those of you who take photo shoots with your family, you know very well that can be a challenge. So we are in a series, You Got Christmased. And we brought it back from last year because it was such a huge success. It is by far my favorite Christmas series that we've ever done. And this is how the series kind of came about. We started thinking about Christmas two years ago. And we're like, how do we take the syrupy, sweet, mushy, sentimental, cultural version of love. And how do we transform that into the biblical... Christian definition of love, which is a verb. Did you hear me? Love is a what? Verb. Verb. It is an action. 
And out of that came this series, You Got Christmas, and we are loving it. Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2. Each and every week we're going to take the Christmas story and we're going to hold it up like a diamond. And we're going to rotate it. And we're going to look at the Christmas story from a different angle to see what God wants to teach us on that particular week. You don't want to miss a single Sunday of this series. I want to give it up for my good friend, Pastor Chad Lunsford, who looked at it last week from the Gospel of Luke, from the Luke perspective. This week, we're actually going to be looking at it from Matthew's Gospel. So last week we were in Luke 2. Today we're in Matthew chapter 2. If you love the word of the Lord, say amen. If you love the word of the Lord enough to stand in honor of it, let me see you stand at all of our campuses. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to what church? We have come to worship him. Verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4. When he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by what, church? Father, take our minds today. Would you think through them? Would you take our hearts today, Father God, and fill with them? Father, would you take my lips today and speak through them? For if you do not speak, then nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray this together as your body of Christ in his powerful name. And the church of God said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I absolutely love this passage. I have always been fascinated by the Magi. They were known as what? Wise men. The Greek word is actually magos. 
It actually, when you translate it literally, refers to these men as astronomers. Now check it out. We don't know a lot about them. In fact, you and I might think we know more about them than we actually think. Or that we actually know, because here's the deal. Myth has kind of come into the story. And over the years, we've started to believe things about the Magi that actually are not in the Bible. For example, how many wise men were there? Most people would say three. Bible doesn't say that. The reason the church has kind of gone astray on this one is because there were three gifts. What were they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we've assumed, hey, there were three gifts. Must have been three magi. We don't, we don't know that, right? How much gold and frankincense and myrrh did they give? We don't really know that. I would imagine it was quite a sacrifice, and we're going to talk about that. But we're not exactly, where did they come from? We, we don't know. They kind of, they just, the, the Bible says they came from afar. I'm not making this up. There was a country, little country town, and this woman had a nativity scene out in her yard, and she put it out every year, and there was, she put fire helmets on the, on the wise men. The guy was passing through town. He was just passing through. It was a one-light town. You know what I mean? He was coming down 95 from up north, passed by. He, saw, he couldn't stand it. She was out in the yard, so he stopped and asked her, why, why do you have fire helmets on the wise men? And she said, you darn Yankees, why don't you read your Bible? She goes, it says very clearly in the Bible that the wise man came from a fire. <laughs> it's from afar, church. It's from... <laughs> Sorry, the people down front are laughing so hard. I, I, they're going to have to catch a few of them. The Bible just says they come from afar. They, they, they come from the east. We don't really know, will I ever get this group back with me today? All joking aside, listen, the Magi played an indispensable role in Matthew's communication, Matthew's perspective, Matthew's unique angle of the Christmas story. So here's what I want to do. I want to spend the rest of our time today, and I want to talk to us today about gift giving and gift receiving. About gift what? And gift what? That's right. Let's go get this today. The Bible's very, very clear about a few things that we need to pick up on gift giving and gift receiving. And it's an appropriate message today. Come on. Because let's be honest. Many of us get all jacked up when it comes to gift giving and gift receiving during the Christmas season. Come on. You know you got people that you want to get gifts for. But then there are those people who give you gifts. And come on, let's be honest, we're in the house of the Lord. If you didn't get them a gift, and yet they give you a gift, what is the first thing you start thinking about? Oh, Lord. What am I going to get them? We get caught up in a guilt kind of gift giving, don't we? Or, <laughs> this is a rabbit to you. or check it out, you, you got somebody a gift, right? You know that you exchange gifts with them every year. You got them a gift, but you, you got them a gift, you know, kind of like the kind of gift that you would take to a white elephant Christmas exchange party. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of gift you get. And yet, they bust up in there and they give you a very valuable gift. What do you feel like? A bag of dirt, Right? I mean, what, what do you do? It, it happened this way. Or, or we get jealous. Or we get jealous. Come on. Remember in the house of the Lord. How many of you, when somebody gets a great gift, 
there, there's a little bit of jealousy that starts rising up. It, it's kind of natural. My boy Joshua Hunter uh, Kelly, he's my youngest. Joshua was given a gift this past Monday from a dear family friend, Craig Dunn, dear friend of mine, love this guy. Craig is the CEO of Westing Investment Foundation. He's a great, great guy. Well, he decides in the spur of the moment to give my youngest a Christmas gift. Now, now Craig has always given my, get, my kids gift. Every time he sees them, he gives them something. He just loves my kids, and we we're so thankful for it. But he gave Joshua on Monday, my youngest, an iPad. Now, brother, that, that's a good Christmas toy. For a seven-year-old, you know what I'm saying? So Joshua was so excited, man, and, and he, started, he started playing with it, and he said, Dad, can I borrow your phone? And I gave him my phone, and he texted Mama. He said, Mr. Dunn just gave me an iPad. I wish I should read it to you. The spelling's just hilarious. <laughs> and Amy Lynn texted him back, you mean he's letting you play with an iPad? He goes, oh, no. He gave me an iPad. Mama said, Why? He said, because I'm cool like that. (laughs) Well, (laughs) mama started telling the other kids because they were in the house. My phone started blowing up. (laughs) Blowing up. The big kids, man, like, what? What, daddy? Really? Come on, you got to be kidding because I joke around all the time. Come on, Caleb. Caleb calls me. Caleb is nine, Joshua is seven. Caleb calls me, I answer the phone, hello. He goes, seriously? I said, I said, yes, Caleb. He goes, seriously, Dad? I said, yes, Caleb. He goes, click. <laughs> now, I don't know how you parent, but our kids don't hang up on parents. But I laughed. I called him back. I'm like, between my laughing, I'm like, Caleb, you do not hang up on me. He goes, Dad, that's not right. We get jealous. We get jealous, right? So this, this is a perfect passage to talk to us about gift giving and gift receiving. Because in Matthew 2.10, maybe you heard it earlier, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Grab your teaching notes, beloved. Grab your pen. Take some notes on this. I'm going to walk you through what the Magi teach us about gift giving and gift receiving. And it can change the trajectory of the rest of your life. And particularly the way in which you give gifts. And the way in which you receive gifts. Here's the first thing if you're taking notes on those teaching notes. You got Christmas. Check it out. You got Christmas. You really did. With a gift of sacrifice. That's right. Amen. You and I got Christmas. If you're new to the Christmas story, you're new to the Christian faith. Maybe you're new to the church. Check it out. You need to understand that you got Christmas. With a gift of sacrifice. Every person listening to me today knows that the best gifts we give and the best gifts we get are gifts that are exchanged out of a sacrificial place of love. 
And in my humble opinion, the greatest verse that, 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 that encapsulates the entire Christmas story is John 3.16. You might not have ever envisioned that as a Christmas story. But if you had to summarize the entire Christmas story in one verse, it's this, for God so loved the world. For God so loved what? That he what? Gave. Now, he didn't just give a kind of white elephant exchange Christmas gift. He gave what? His only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, that is a gift of sacrifice. And we sometimes, those of us who know the story for a while, we grow numb to the story. Think about that for a moment. God, holy God, gave his son for you. For you. It still takes my breath away. It's the greatest love story ever told, ever experienced, ever received. And when we understand it, we do exactly like the Magi. Come on, come on, come on. We receive it. And then we give gifts of sacrifice. You see, church, Christianity at the end of the day is receiving the gift of Christ and then living like he taught us to live. It's, it's that simple. You got Christmas with a gift of sacrifice. And the Magi teach us that the greatest way to receive it, check it out, come on, come on, and respond to it is to offer sacrifice. To actually give gifts of sacrifice. I'm going to talk to somebody at some of our campuses today. Here's the deal. When you give Christmas gifts this year, are you giving them out of duty or obligation? Or will you let the story of the Magi influence you to maybe give less gifts, but make sure you give them out of sacrifice? How about a gift come on, come on, of undeserved friendship? Like some of you, you're still mad that somebody did something to you way back then. And what if, what if you found it inside yourself to sacrifice that, die to that, give that away, and give them true friendship again? Some of you have family members who have hurt you. And if you really started to do some self-awareness work, you would understand that about every year around this time, you turn into a Grinch. Because you still got all this stuff up inside of you that you need to process and become aware. And maybe the greatest thing you can do this year is offer a gesture which will be Far more sacrificial than a gift from Nordstrom's. A gesture of love and grace. Maybe a great gift of sacrifice for you is the gift of time. I've long said that our greatest commodity these days is time. Time is precious. Maybe what you need to do, dear ma'am, dear sir, me, maybe what we need to do is make sure we spend the time that we need with people 
that we care about, and it would be our greatest sacrifice. Come on now. Maybe there's somebody who crosses your path, and since we're doing this series, you got Christmas, you're keenly aware of the way in which you are called by God to sacrifice and give to others. Ramsey McMillan is a, is a guy in this church, love this guy. He goes on every Haiti missions trip. He's not on staff. Saw him at the gym the other day, and uh, we talked for a little bit, and then he left, right? And he calls me about 10 minutes later. He goes, you're not going to believe this. He goes, I saw this guy walking down the road with a gas can in his hand. And he said, so I stopped and picked him up and took him to the gas station. Now, let me just stop right here and say, I'm not endorsing or telling you to stop and pick people up on the side of the road. No, seriously. And I'm not telling you not to. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to play the Holy Spirit there. You got to walk with God and you got to, I'm not telling you we should pick everybody up on the side of the road. But you figure that out. But, but Ramsey felt led to pick this guy up, picks him up and taking him to the gas station. And Ramsey says, hey, um, we're doing this series at the church called You Got Christmas." And I'm going to buy your gas, and then I want to take you wherever you've run out of gas. And the guy goes, really? He goes, you must, you must, you must go to church. And Ramsey said, yeah, I go to New Hope Church, and we're doing this series, You Got Christmas. And Ramsey said, you just got Christmas. And the guy goes, I just got churched. <laughs> and, and Ramsey said, no, no. I said, you got Christmas. He goes, you just churched me? And Ramsey spent a few minutes trying to get him to understand that it, it was not the, not the series. It's not you got churched. But Ramsey dropped him off, and when Ramsey dropped him off, the brother said, Hey, man, I want you to know, I'm going to go church somebody. <laughs> Spreading the love. It's a gift of sacrifice. Can I hit one thing before I move on? Reach in the chair pocket in front of you. Reach in the chair pocket in front of you and grab that offering envelope. My Christmas offering. God, grab that thing. Everybody say it's the first one you'll get to. All of our campuses, grab the Christmas offering. Unashamedly, I'm inviting you this year, check it out, to figure out ways in which you can sacrificially give a gift to God's people and to God just like the Magi did. And here's the deal. I'm inviting you to give a gift, a gift to Christ and his church through our Christmas offering. I'm inviting you to think about that. God gave Jesus. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. Next Sunday, next Sunday, which is December 15th, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have an offering. And I'm inviting you. Like for real. And, and, and I'm inviting you to do it sacrificially. If a five spot is sacrificial to you, praise God, let it be. Whatever it is sacrificial for you. To give to Christ and his church. I'm so excited about this. This offering, we've done this many years over the past. We haven't done it every year. But it's a great way for God's people to say, you know what? Just like the Magi, you gave Jesus. God, we're going to give you a gift this year. The first thing about Christmas giving is that it is sacrificial. Can I get an amen? Here's the second one. Taking notes. You got Christmas, come on, with a gift of change. With a gift of what, church? This is a very, very profound truth. But here's what you need to know. The gift of Jesus changed everything. Changed everything. I think Pastor Chad mentioned last week how in our world, the birth of Jesus even changed the way in which we keep up with time. Right? B.C., A.D. Now, I'm fully aware that in our secular educational system, they are changing that. 
to BCE before Common Era, after Common Era. I will be honest with you, I can't stand that. But they can change all they want in the secular education system. But I'm here to let you know that the birth of Jesus Christ changed everything on planet Earth. Everything on planet Earth. And here's what's amazing when you look at this passage. The wise men had to, had to follow what to get to Jesus? They had to follow a star. Now men do not like to follow directions. All oh, the women are shaking up in here. At all of our campuses, if you are a woman and you are dating or you are married to her, maybe your dad was this way. Let's put it this way. You know a man who, who did not like to ask for directions. Can I see a show of hands at all of our campuses? Yeah. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> Guys, we just got to admit it, right? There are women who thought, you know what? The, the whole Christmas story would have unfolded better if it would have been wise women. Instead of wise men. And you know women have written about this, right? One woman wrote, she called it this, if the magi were women. She said, you know what would have happened if there had been wise women instead of three wise men? She says, here's what would have happened. The wise women would have asked for directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and gave some practical gifts. Now, I don't know about all that. But I do know, listen, that the wise men, the wise men had to lean not on their own intelligence. Listen, men. Listen, women. They had to lean not on their own sense of direction, not on their own intelligence. I think there is great power in the fact that Matthew records a star actually leading the wise men to Jesus. And did you get this? This is a fascinating nugget. And I promise you, if you, don't, if you don't catch it, you'll miss this in the text. Did you notice not only did they have to follow a star to get to the baby Jesus. Did you notice that when they left, watch this. They had to go by a different route. Interesting little nugget in scripture that you'll just pass right over if you're not careful. Matthew 2, 12. Why don't we read it out loud together? Ready? Go, and having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by, by what? Absolutely fascinating to me. Change. Reminds me of another intriguing verse of scripture buried deep in the Old Testament. Exodus 46, 9. Watch this. But when the people of the land come before the Lord, he who enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the... And he who enters by way of the south gate shall go out by way of the north gate. No one shall return by way of this gate by which he entered. Oh, my Lord, do you see it? You cannot come into a relationship with Christ and not change. You 
When you experienced Christ, when the Magi came, they had to change. When they left, they had to change. God changes you. You might see this note. You'll see it on the screen. Listen, you cannot receive the gift of God and experience an authentic encounter with Jesus and stay the same. I'm just going to leave it up there for a moment so you can just marinate in that for a moment. If you accepted Christ many, many years ago and you haven't changed, oh, beloved, there is a problem. Our God changes us. So when you hear a family member or a friend or a colleague say they met Christ and you think, I wonder, I wonder if they really did, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Just step back and watch their lives. Ours is a God of change. He changes hearts. Can I get an amen? He changes minds. Can I get an amen? He changes addictions. He fills us. He, he molds us. He shapes us. And here's the really, really cool kicker. Listen. Once we accept Christ and we start to change, you know what's great about that, particularly during this time of the year? We can make some new memories. Guys, some of, some of you just need to start doing things differently. Christmas rolls around every year, and if we will let it, it'll, it'll shake the cobwebs out. It'll cause us to, to do things differently. It'll, it'll cause us to... To go different places. It'll cause us to, to do different things with our kids. It'll cause us to, to create and develop and therefore remember some new memories. Isn't that a great thought? Some of us might need to put our Christmas tree in a different spot this year. Some of you might need to change the order of the stockings. Some of you might need to go somewhere or do this or do that. Some of us might need to develop more memories with our loved ones that are different and new. Here's another one. And once you start changing, it starts, it starts to cause you to want to live your one and only life in a way that creates a godly legacy. Think about that. What if, what if all you're giving, back, back to even the financial giving, okay? What if, what if our financial giving, not only during Christmas, but what if throughout our lives... We gave in such a way that we wanted our finances along with our lives to start leaving a godly legacy. So that when we're gone, our lives live on, not to our own fame, right, right, right? But to the glory and the honor and the fame of who? Jesus Christ. And I believe that actually takes us to the third thing. If you're taking notes, this is, all, this is really all about it. You got Christmas, church. You got Christmas with a gift of what? Urgency. With a gift of urgency. Christmas reminds us that the best lives, listen, are lived with a sense of urgency. Go read the Gospels in the next few weeks. Just read the first few chapters of each Gospel, and you will find a sense of urgency. In fact, in Mark's Gospel, Mark's Gospel, they're running all around everywhere throughout the whole Gospel. <laughs> 
at the end of Mark's gospel. They're running around. Everybody's kind of got this incredible sense of urgency. Can I just remind you that the Father had a sense of urgency when he sent Jesus? Can I just remind you that Jesus, when he came, he only had 33 years of life on planet Earth. There was a sense of what? Urgency. And something happens after we've walked with Christ for a while, but I have to resist this temptation just like you do. There's a temptation with every passing day, and I think the enemy wants to use this in our lives, to cause us to lose our sense of urgency and live with a sense of complacency. To become lethargic in life. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because of what's happened around here in the last five, six weeks that God has just shaken me, reawakened me with a sense of urgency. And, and I'm talking particularly about, we just, we've been on a string of deaths here lately in our church. Senior saints, I call them. Edna Cole Waters, she passed away. I think she was 95. You should sit right back over here, wheeled in in a, in, a, in a wheelchair here at Central Campus. Miss Beulah LaRue would, would be wheeled in and sit right back over here every Sunday. She couldn't see that well, but she loved what was going on in this church. She didn't care that it wasn't her style. She didn't care that the music was loud. Listen to me, beloved. She was thrilled that the music was loud because she was thrilled that people were coming to know Christ and this church was reaching the next generation for Jesus. In fact, I walked by her one day. I walked by her one Sunday and she said, you go, pastor. She loved what was happening here. I think of Mindy Dunn, who I told you about, right? Brain cancer diagnosed, three days later, dead. I was with Pastor Mitch over in the High Point area just this Friday night with his family. And they lost their grandma, as I mentioned earlier. All of these events have kind of just descended back on me. And I believe if you will let it, they have descended back on this church and reminded us, listen... Every single day is precious. Every single breath you breathe. Come on, come on, right now. You feel it? He woke you up this morning. Breathed into you the breath of life. He didn't have to, beloved, but he did. And what if we as a church developed such a, a response to that, such a, a sense of urgency that we declared, God, as long as you wake up and breathe into me the breath of life, I'm going to live with a sense of urgency. The Bible says this in the book of James. Come on, read it out loud. You're, 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 so, you're so into the word today, and I love that. Way to go, church. James says this. Ready, go. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while, and then, 
And then what? Vanishes away. Life is short. Now, I don't go getting all uber spiritual on me. I know we, we go to eternity and we got heaven and we got, I, I get that and I'm thankful. Amen? But that doesn't negate the fact that the 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, if you're lucky that God gives you on this planet, they are precious. And your kids will grow up gone. And these seas don't, don't fall into the trap that the enemy tries to convince us that, you know, the good old days. So we get lethargic, we get depressed, we get sad because we don't live in the good old days anymore. Beloved, they were never that good anyway. <laughs> Elderly people can talk about the good old days all they want. And, and, we're, and we res I, I respect you talking about them. But let me tell you something. They, they weren't as good as we tend to make them. And they don't have to be better than the day that we make today. I See, I believe today has the potential. I believe today should be the best days of our lives. I've, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have abundant life and have it what? Now. I believe the best days are those days that we are experiencing. In the words of Van Halen, right now. I believe it's the, if I could pick any day in which to live my life and be in the church, I think today is one of the most exciting days to be alive and in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. I know the world's going to hell in a breadbasket. I get that. But guess what? That's a great opportunity for the church to rise up and be the church. Amen. One of the best quotes I've ever heard on this, one of the best quotes I've ever heard on this is from an animated kids movie called Kung Fu Panda. And I was watching it with my kids, just doing the daddy thing, right? And this little scene right here popped up, and I thought, oh, my lanta. That's, that's really, really good. Watch this. I see you have found a sacred peach tree of heavenly wisdom. Oh, is that what this is? I am so sorry. I thought it was just a regular peach tree. I understand. You eat when you are upset. Upset? I'm not upset. Why would why, why make you think I'm upset? So why are you upset? <sighs> Maybe I should just quit and go back to making noodles. Quit. Don't quit. Noodles. Don't noodles. You are too concerned with what was and what will be. There's a saying. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That is why it is called a present. What if you just let that shake you a little bit in terms of a sense of urgency. Yesterday, church, is history. Tomorrow is mystery. But today is a gift. It's why we call it 
the present. A sense of urgency. As we go out and Christmas people, as we receive this gift and we we respond like the Magi with the gift of sacrifice and we respond and realize that we can't receive this gift and stay the same, so we learn to embrace change. And we rise from the nativity. We rise from the greatest gift the world has ever known. And we live with a sense of urgency because every breath we breathe, every day we live is a present. It is a gift from God. Maybe you've heard this before. They were going to be all they wanted to be. Tomorrow, none would be braver or kinder than they. Tomorrow, a friend was troubled and wearied, they knew, would be glad for our life and needed it too. And on him, they would call and see what they could do. Tomorrow, each morning, they stacked up letters they'd write. Tomorrow, and thought of the folks they would fill with delight. Tomorrow, the greatest of people they just might have been, the world would have opened its heart up to them. But in fact, they passed on and they faded from view. And all they had left when their living was through was a mountain of things they intended to do tomorrow. What do you need to let the Christmas story come in and rattle your cage a little bit and create a sense of urgency? What words need to be spoken? Not tomorrow, church. When you walk out of those doors at any of our campuses, what needs to happen today? Actions, gifts, relationships today. The wise man's gift to the planet from that first Christmas on is that they showed us how to receive the gift of Christ, a gift of sacrifice, and how to respond with similar sacrifice gift of change and respond listen with embracing change some of us just need to change one of the problems in the church today 90% of the churches in America they'd be fine if 1950 came back around 1950 is not coming back around beloved change the Magi taught us how to receive the gift of Christ, which was an urgent gift, and then respond with urgency. At the end of your teaching notes, there are three questions. I'm going to end the message in a unique way today. I'm going to create some space, because here's what I know about your life. Guess what? I live the same world you do. RPMs are starting to kind of get into the red, right? Busy Christmas season. Stress might be starting to get into the red of our lives on the dashboard, if you will. I want to create some space today, just a minute or two, 
And I want you to think about how you can apply this message. How is God calling you to sacrificially give this Christmas season? That's a question. It's in the bottom of your teaching notes. You'll also see it on the screens. Like, like think about that. Two, in what specific areas of your life do you need to change? And, and, and dear sir, dear ma'am, if your first response is, I don't need to change. Wow, I would love to meet you. Can, can, and if you're another campus, come over to Central sometime today. I want to meet you because, like, come grab me in the rotunda. Like, I've never met anybody who doesn't need to change. What gift or gifts do you need to give urgently and without delay? Three questions. Marinate them. Reflect on them. Embrace them. Think about them. For just a moment or two. Before we do, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, your church is gathered today with great enthusiasm, engagement, receptivity to your word. You clearly have our attention. I pray your word has been faithfully proclaimed. Anything that I might have said today or any Sunday that's not of you, God, would you just let that fall by the wayside? Those things today that have been spoken that are of you and faithful to your text. Oh, God, shake us right now. Stir us. Teach us how to apply it. In that powerful and divine way in which only you can do. We sit in this moment. We reflect in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.